1209. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. Got a chance to see many of you this morning. It's one of those deals where the alarm clock goes off at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm thinking, why did I say yes? But then by the time I got out to Miller Park, it was just an absolute blast. Of course, the, the Brewers were having this big event to encourage people to vote for Jesus Aguiar for the um, All-Star Game. Matter of fact, if you haven't heard, the, the updated numbers, and they don't release the total numbers, they just give the rankings, but as of 10 o'clock this morning, Jesus Aguiar was still leading um, in the National League. He was the leading vote-getter in the race for that final All-Star berth. The final voting concludes at 3 o'clock this afternoon, so you have another three hours to vote, and then they'll announce the ultimate winner. But it was so much fun. I was out at Miller Park today, and um, I, I got to pass out Brewer swag. It was sort of fun to just walk up and down and give stuff to different people, but people were going up, they were voting, and uh, they were showing how they voted, and the Brewers were giving out ice cream bars. It was just it was just a great time, and I really appreciate everybody coming out, and it, it's just a great cause. And it's great to see people so excited about the Brewers. I, I'm a do the math guy, and I, I do this about this time every season because I do think it's important if you're a baseball fan to kind of follow along. Right now, the Brewers have the most wins in the National League, best record in the National League, 55 wins, 37 losses, 18 games over 500. They're winning about 60% of their games, right? Which is in baseball, a really good number. So keep this in mind. They're 55 and 37. That means that they have played 92 games. Major League Baseball season is 162. So they've got 70 games left. If they were just, and keep in mind right now, they're winning 60% of their games. If they were just to split their games, go 500, win half of their remaining games starting tonight, that would be an extra 35 wins they would end up with 90 wins, 90 wins, which is a pretty good season. The last two years to get to the wild card game, and the way baseball works is that the three division winners, they're automatically in the playoffs, and then you have a one-game playoff between the next two teams with the best records, Um, but it's only one game, and you want to try to avoid that. But the last two years to get to that wild card spot, you needed 87 wins. So, again, anything can happen. But if you kind of do the math, if the Brewers just play 500 baseball the rest of the way, um, they end up with 90 wins, which is, I think, certainly good enough to get them into that one-game wild card playoff. You don't want to be in that game. You want to win your division. But but they're on track. If the Brewers were continue to win at the same pace they've been winning already, that is 60% of their games, they would end up with uh, 97 wins. They would end up 97 and 65. And last year, the Cubs won the division with 92 wins. Um, 97 wins in their division. That's enough. I, I will be shocked if, if 97 wins would not win. So, I mean, I, I bring this up simply to point out how special this season is and, and how on, if you just do the math, how on track the Brewers are for something really, really special. So it's a fun team to watch, and I guess I say this to you know encourage people. There's plenty of room on the bandwagon, and we, we saw hundreds and hundreds of people out at Miller Park yesterday. Um, it, it's just it's fun when the team comes back for more home games at the end of next week. Hope a lot of people are out there, and if you can't 
you can't get out to Miller Park, well, you can certainly listen to the games on WTMJ. It is a lot of fun. There's no question about it. All right, we have a lot of ground to cover on today's program. I want to start with the international story, and that is President Trump. He's at these NATO meetings. Of course, NATO is the the treaty organization that's been in effect since the late 1940s. And President Trump at this breakfast shocks a number of the European leaders by essentially saying that Europe is not paying, the European countries are not paying their fair share towards NATO. He also goes on to say that Germany in particular, he says Germany's got a conflict of interest. And he says, look, here's what's happening. Um, The reason NATO exists is essentially to protect Europe from Russia. All right, that's fine. But, you know, Germany has cut this big deal with Russia where they're going to be importing all this oil from Russia. And Trump's point is, the president's point is, well, why are we spending all this money to support NATO if you've got NATO countries, particularly Germany, who are doing these huge deals with Russia, bringing their oil in from Russia? Now, part of what the president is trying to accomplish here is, I think, He'd like to have Germany import more American oil. But his point is, all right, we, we've, this, this organization exists in large part to protect European countries from Russia. Here you have major European countries that are trading extensively with Russia. Well, why is the U.S. then spending all this money, all right, propping up and providing all this defense if they're, you know, that action is being undercut? by doing business with the com- countries that you're supposed to be protecting Europe against. All right. The president has sort of a Wreck-It Ralph approach to, to different issues. And I, I've talked about this before. And maybe, you know, when you need a little bit of finesse, when you need a screwdriver, he pulls out a sledgehammer. And, and maybe that was the case today. But I want to talk about the larger principle. I agree with Paul Ryan. I mean, I think NATO is valid. No question about it. And I don't think it's in anybody's interest for NATO to dissolve. But here is my question. Does President Trump have a point? Right now, the United States provides about 67% of the military funding for, for NATO. The agreement, the NATO organization says that each country is supposed to contribute like three point, uh, 2.5% of gross national product towards towards the NATO defense agreement, the U.S. contributes like 3%. A couple other countries contribute like around 25 Most of the other ones don't contribute close to that. Is President Trump correct in suggesting that European countries need to do more and they need to step up to the plate if, you know, this is going to continue as an organization. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My take on this, and again, President Trump is getting just ripped right and left by people saying, oh, here, here's this guy, he's, you know, tossing Europe out, he's insulting our allies. Well, w- what he's saying is, all right, you know, we're, we're, we're paying the freight, and maybe it's time, we're not, we're not saying that we're not going to do our part, but maybe it's time that everybody else started doing their part as well. Is that an unreasonable position? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, and looked at it in that vein, 
My answer is is no. Maybe I wouldn't have gone about it exactly the way he did, but I think he's raising valid questions. What do you think? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back with your calls in just a moment. It's 1217. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1220, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, WTMJ, and your Milwaukee Brewers are teaming up to help get Jesus Aguiar into the 2018 MLB All-Star Game. If you text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line, 414-799-1620, we will send you a link to the voting ballot. Uh, Voting runs through 3 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, Plus, if you text us a picture or a screen cap of you voting for Jesus, you'll automatically be entered for a chance to win the grand prize, which is four tickets to a game, the chance to watch batting practice, and you get to meet Jesus himself. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. And again, voting stops uh, this afternoon. All right, uh, President Trump is at the NATO meetings. He has created this huge controversy because... He's called out the European leaders, particularly calling out Germany. And and what he's saying in general is, look, the purpose of NATO, you know, NATO was formed to protect Europe from aggressors. You know, one of the big aggressors is Russia, right? Well, the U.S. pays the freight for about 67% of, of NATO. And a number of other countries aren't paying their agreed upon fair share. And he singles out Germany in particular. He says, you know, we're, we're providing all this money and we're providing all these resource, resources. Um, all these other countries aren't doing the same. And what's worse, he says, you know, Germany, at the same time, they're expecting us to pay all this money to contribute to the defense. Germany is doing business with Russia. And he's talking about how they, they've just authorized a second giant pipeline that's worth a few billion dollars where they're going to be importing Russian oil into Germany. And so Trump's point is, all right, well, why are we why are we spending all this money and we're providing for all this defense and we're putting all these resources in and you are engaged in major trade activities with the, the country that we're supposed to be protecting you against? 414-799-1620. You know, I think he's on to something. I, I do. I don't believe that you need to – we should pull out of NATO – I mean, I think NATO provides, you know, a valuable service and a valuable resource. And and I think, you know, it's reasonable to expect us to continue to make military commitments to it. No problem with that at all. But President Trump is identifying a legitimate issue here, which is NATO allies not contributing their fair share. And then, like I say, turning around and doing business. Now, his ulterior goal is he would like Germany to be bringing in oil from the United States. All right, but I don't see that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. And the problem is, I think in many respects, the United States has allowed itself to be taken advantage of for years and years from some of these European countries. And it doesn't mean they're not our allies. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be defending them. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't get into, you know, partnership with them. But... I think it's a valid, valid point. And if folks in Europe don't like to be talked to in that sort of fashion, in that direct fashion, well, I guess my response is kind of too bad. And, and maybe other American presidents who have said similar sorts of things over the years, but just haven't said it as directly, 
Well, maybe maybe we wouldn't be in the bind we had if other American presidents, and I'm not just talking about Democrats, if other American presidents who've expressed the same concerns had brought the issue to a head, maybe it would have gotten people's attention. And I understand that you have some of these European leaders who kind of roll their eyes and say, oh, here, here, it's, it's the ugly American and he's trying to break up stuff. Well, it's not that. It's somebody saying, hey, look, we're not going to be, we're not going to be played as suckers anymore. And we expect everybody to do their agreed upon part. And that means shell out more money for your own defense. Don't expect America to be the piggyback of the world. And I don't think that's overly isolationist. I'm not calling for us to get out of NATO. But if this says, all right, maybe you shouldn't be engaging in these trade patterns with the people that we're spending all this money to try to protect you against, and maybe you should contribute a little bit of your own money or more of your own money towards your defense. I don't think that's unreasonable at all, and I'm glad to hear the president say it. 1224, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Brewers continue their road trip from South Florida. The crew takes on the Marlins in the series finale from Miami. Our coverage starts at 535 this evening, sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. All right, I have discussed this before, and I understand when we talk about this, I get up on my soapbox. But I I have a legitimate question, and and that is, how many pets are going to be attacked? And are we going, is it going to take a child being mauled before we deal with the issue of these predators that are roaming the community, and I am talking about coyotes or coyotes, depending on how you want to say it. Channel 4 had a story just the other day. The Milwaukee County Parks Department has received more reports of altercations, that's the way this story describes it, between coyotes and pets across the county as the number of attacks continues to rise. And then there's different examples. A pack of coyotes and four dogs got into a fight at the county ground park in Wauwatosa last week. The DNR said the coyotes were probably protecting their den or pups. The dogs were off leash and followed the coyotes into the woods where they got into the altercation. The dogs ended up losing. Fox Point, earlier um, last week, a dog owner said a coyote followed her and her 120-pound dog about four feet away. She says, when I tried to get big and stomp my foot to yell at him to get out of here, the dog didn't even budge. In Shorewood, a short time ago, near Hubbard Park, woman says a coyote got very close to her and her service dog. I was sitting on the patio at the back of the building. The coyote came up from being in the trees, started to come across the grass towards my dog, um, and then all of a sudden they, they start... You know, attacking. So you're, you're having more of these aggressive coyotes, which are in the area. Channel 6 has a story I'm looking at. You know, it's talking about um, Wauwatosa, again, the county ground parks, woman who's you know, walking her dog. And it's not uncommon to have coyotes come racing out of the woods and challenge the dogs. I've told this story before. I know people who, again, they live in Milwaukee County, close to the lake, They've had cats, you know, you let the cat outside, cats have been killed by the coyotes that are running around. And I have several friends who have small children who are now at this point where they are afraid to leave their small children out unattended in the backyards. So, you know, what is the response we get in general from authorities around here? Well, it's, well... The coyotes are, are unlikely to attack children. Okay, good. They they rarely attack humans. Well, I'm not sure I take much comfort in that. And 
you know, you shouldn't leave your dogs unattended. They should always be on a leash, and you shouldn't leave them unattended in your backyard. To which I say, what kind of answer is that? I mean, seriously, what kind of answer is that? You're a taxpayer around here. You have your home, and you're being told, well, no, you can't leave your dog outside because you've got these predators that are around. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is a big deal. It's been a big deal for a while, but again, it's one of these things that people don't want to deal with. I mean, everybody explains why there's more coyotes in the area. I get it. They're migrating here. There's food sources. They're around humans more often, so they're not as threatened. I understand all that, but you know, how many dogs need to be attacked? Um, we're now being told, okay, you can't walk your dog in a park off a leash. Even if the dog is on a leash, I think in a lot of places it's unsafe to do it. You can't leave your dogs or in some cases your children in your backyards because these things might attack. At what point in time are we going to say enough is enough? Is it really going to take a kid getting mauled by one of these things before we realize we have a problem? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it past time to start dealing with these things? 1236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. I, I Look, I, I know I get up on my soapbox on this, but this has been an ongoing problem, and it is getting worse. The area is infiltrated by coyotes, coyotes, whatever you want to call them, and they are attacking dogs. Sometimes they're coming into people's yards, and I, I'm, I, I know a lot of people who have small children who won't leave their children unattended in their own yard because they're afraid they're going to get attacked by these animals. And the response you get, the DNR says, well, they're, they're unlikely to attack children. Well, okay, that, that's great. But here's the point. You know, you, you pay taxes around here. I don't think you should live in fear that some predatory animal that does not belong in an urban setting is going to be attacking your dog if you leave it out in the backyard, in your backyard, you know, your dog might get attract, attacked. And look, and I understand, I'm a little bit sensitive about this. I, I have a small dog, okay? I would never leave her out in the backyard unattended to begin with, and she's always on a leash. But, I mean, I'm just, I know there's a lot of people who, who don't act in that fashion. I guess I don't think it's irresponsible. If you want to decide to leave your dog, your animal, out in your backyard and it's fenced off, or you want to leave the dog, you know, on a on a leash or tethered or something. I don't think that's irresponsible, and I, I think authorities need to get rid of these things. Let's start with Doug in Oak Creek. Doug, you're first. Hello. Oh, hi. hi. Um, yeah, I, I think we just need to eradicate them. And um, I'm a sharpshooter. I have several medals for for shooting. I'd be happy to bait and um, take care of uh, these critters. Um, I had two coyotes in my yard just the other day when I was doing my dishes. I could see them out the window. And just last night when I was doing my dishes, I had a red fox out there as well. And they're very, very scavengerious, and mm-hmm. they're, they're going to, you know, pounce on anything they can, you know, and that's just the way it is. And I think you just need to eliminate them. Um, yeah, no, I mean, right, they, they, they just don't belong in the area. Um, I have an email here from Susan. I truly do care for wildlife. The thought of, you know, hunting, killing coyotes is sad. That being said, losing a loved pet or, God forbid, a child would warrant no, would warrant it no matter how hard it would be. Um, unfortunately, humans are taking over a lot of land and animals, coyotes and others, will probably continue to come into congested areas. And I, I get it. I mean, I understand the dynamic. They migrate. They look for food sources. And the more they're around humans, the less they're afraid of humans. I understand that whole dynamic. But at the same time, 
Does that mean that you should be held hostage for this? Let's talk to Jeff in Wauwatosa. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hello. How you doing? Hi, Jeff. Um, yeah, to tell you the truth, um, the DNR is really dropping the ball on this. There's no reason to eradicate them. You have three choices. You can kill them, dart them, or trap them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would go with the traps first and the darts. No, I live right over in Wauwatosa here. I'm Hawthorne, Glen, and... Right. Hard Park, I'm out there with my night vision every night. Um, I see one or two coyotes, tons of fox. They're not doing anything about it. Once again, they're going to wait for the extreme to happen. Um, I believe they should be out there trapping them now. The only problem is, is you kind of have to shut the park, not shut the parks down, but people have to stay away from the trapping areas. Right, well, while you're doing it. Or whatever. Sure. Right, exactly. Otherwise, they're going to contaminate the area. As far as darting, I could have darted three fox and a coyote two days ago. Yeah. Um, like I said, I don't know what they're doing, but I, I sure hate to see them shot because they deserve a chance to. We're the ones that are pushing them out of their area. Sure. And, they're not and, overpopulating. They're just being driven out of their rural area. Yeah, and, and Jeff, and I, I want to be clear. I, I don't. I don't care how we get rid of them. Okay. I, I don't. I don't care how we get rid of them. But I, I think they don't belong in urban areas, all right? Rats don't belong in urban areas. Coyotes don't belong in urban areas. And I know, I mean, for example, in Milwaukee County, I I think countywide, it's illegal to discharge firearms. So you can't take it upon yourself and and go, you know, shoot one of these animals. You can't do that on your own. I mean, this needs to be a municipality by municipality, or actually, I think a countywide decision as to how to deal with this type of stuff but mark my words something bad is going to happen when you see story after story week after week of people talking about how you've got the coyotes that are getting bolder and bolder and are coming up to people even sometimes you know the dogs that are on leashes and stuff or going into people's backyards it's not going to be that long before you you have know one of these real attacks now we've had the stories up in mequon remember it was a year or two ago we had the story about the woman who was walking her dog you know the dog got attacked i understand the coyotes see these little dogs or something and they think oh this is this is dinner and they don't know better and they attack and the humans the adults don't scare them off but at some point in time we we have to you know make a choice and i understand some people would say well we, we need to coexist well well no you you don't we don't tolerate or we shouldn't tolerate rats in urban areas, although there are rat infesta- infestations in some some cities or in this listening area. Uh, but we don't tolerate that or we shouldn't tolerate that. And I don't think you should tolerate coyotes. And I, the truth of the matter is, I, I think you have to be a responsible pet owner. I get it. You don't want your dogs running around. But, I mean, this idea that you can't leave your dog in your backyard unattended because it might be a victim some point in time we start having to i think push back from some of this and if we don't sooner or later you're going to have something really bad that happens it's 12:42 this is Jeff Wagner when we come back all right it, it's a it's a i'm going to say it's PG13 it's an adults only topic it is the most bizarre story of the day i don't know if we're going to take phone calls on it or not but Whoever thought this up, I'm going to give you some free legal legal advice from a recovering lawyer. This is not a good idea what this university professor is suggesting you do. I'll tell you all about it in just a minute. It is, it's probably an R-rated topic, though. Stick around. 1242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
1245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Sometime during the 2 o'clock hour of today's program, we're going to be giving away a four-pack of tickets to an unspecified Brewers game. It's a four-pack of tickets to a Brewers game. I can't tell you which Brewers game it is, but we're giving it away for free. So those pet tickets away for free. In the 2 o'clock hour, we'll tell you how to win those. Speaking of the Brewers, will Jesus Aguiar be in D.C. for the All-Star Game next week? Gene Miller has the results on Milwaukee's efforts to get him there. It's at 521 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. And again, the voting for the All-Star Game continues until 3 o'clock this afternoon. And my guess is they'll be making the announcement sometime Four or five, maybe six o'clock. I, I'm sure they'll do it before the East Coast baseball games start. Um, Jesus Aguiar, as of 10 o'clock this morning, continue to be the top vote getter. It, it, it seems like we just had an election, but, uh, there's a new election that's coming up. The November partisan election. Of course, the governor is going to be on the ballot. The U.S. Senate seat is going to be on the ballot. The primary election for that election is coming up August 14th, which is five weeks from yesterday. And we've we've started the process of of having certain candidates for different offices on. Coming up in about 20 minutes, we're going to be joined by Richard Schmidt. He's the acting sheriff of Milwaukee County. He he took over after David Clark left. He is running um, in the Democratic primary for the office of sheriff. Um, I, I don't even know if there's a Republican that's running in Milwaukee County, but obviously the Milwaukee County Sheriff's position has been a very, very high profile position over the course of the last decade or so. And uh, we're going to be talking to the acting sheriff in just a few minutes. All right. This, this is a PG's 13 slash slash maybe light R rated topic. And I, I give people the warning because I understand some people might be riding around in their cars with those little pictures with big ears. And I always give you a little advance notice. And if you're, you're uncomfortable hearing about the PG-13 you know, topic, just you know, just kind of turn down the radio. Come back in four or five minutes. And we're not going to stay on this very long. But this, I'm not even sure I talked to you about this topic, Rue. But this is, I, I am absolutely fascinated by this. And including who thinks it would be a good idea. There is, her name is Alicia Walker. She is an assistant professor of sociology at Missouri State University. And she has come up with this study that she wanted to do. All right, now, now, all right, you might say, okay, Jeff, what, what's the big deal? You know, you, you get these academics who come up with all sorts of different studies, and a lot of them are wacky, and a lot of them are a waste of money, but, you know, it, it's kind of typical. Well, even by the standards of modern-day academics, I think this one is kind of a little bit, well, beyond the pale. Here's the theory that she wants to test, and, and I swear I am not making this up. She wants to do a study that determines, that compares, that, how can I say this on the radio? All right, her thesis is, does the side, guys, does the size of your junk impact your self-esteem? Do people with small junk have less self-esteem than people with big junk? She wants to do a study. So how do you do a study measuring self-esteem of people? First, you have to determine what is average size junk, and then you have to decide, you know, okay, does somebody have below average size junk? Do they have above average size junk? Are they average? 
And then you have to kind of measure self-esteem. All right, with me so far? I'm not making this up. All right, so here's how she decides to do this. She says, okay, well, what I have to do, first of all, is I have to get a sample size. So um, I, I want to, <laughs> she decides she wants 3,600 men. So here's the way the study was, I say was, going to operate. She wanted 3,600 men on the Internet to take a survey, a, a survey of various questions, apparently trying to determine your, your self-esteem levels, asking you questions about how you felt about yourself or whatever. And then she wanted these 3,600 men to take photographs of their junk and then upload them, send them to her at Missouri State University. Right. So now I, I'm, I'm sitting there, and again, this is the recovering lawyer in me, saying, all right, who thinks this is exactly a good idea? Don't we go back to, you know, like Wagner's Rule of Life 4.5, which says that unless you're a porn star, and maybe even then, it's not a great idea to take nude photos of yourself. Well, I look, I'm all in favor of science. But she wants 3,600 men to take the survey, then to photograph themselves, and then send it off, all right, with with their measurements. Now, apparently, if you take the survey, there is apparently some controversy in the academic world about how exactly you measure the size of your stuff. You know, and but this gives you instructions as to how to measure the size of your stuff. So what she wants you to do is measure the size of your stuff, and then... (laughs) Send a photograph, upload a photograph of this. What could possibly go wrong here? All right. I mean, I'm trying to picture all those different things. I'm trying to picture the people who do want to contribute to science. Can you imagine you're there at your computer? You've got your cell phone out. You're you're trying to contribute to science. You're taking a photograph of your stuff. Your wife walks in. Well, well, what are you doing? Well, honey, I, I'm I'm participating in a scientific experiment. Um, yeah, okay, get ready to then you know answer the divorce lawyer when it comes in. All right, okay, so then you're going to send off these pictures, presumably with your name and your measurements. Okay, this is going to I don't know it, it's going to be off there in the internet somewhere. Who knows exactly where this is going to be? So um, this this is the study and this is the way it's conducted. Missouri State University defends this. Missouri State says, well, no, this is a reality because lots of men carry, we believe they carry anxiety because of the size of their stuff. And so we, we want to we somehow test this. We think it's a legitimate area of research, and she is conforming to all the guidelines of participant security. Okay, that may very well be, but like I say, I don't think this is a very good I- idea, um, and so I, I, I would suggest no. Anyhow, once this gets publicized, and, and they won't tell us how much it costs, Missouri State won't say what the cost of the study is, all the quote-unquote researcher will say is, well, you know, it hasn't cost anything yet because we haven't started it. All we've done is we put up the survey and we're in the process of starting to solicit the the pictures of men's junk. Um, but says, don't you know? We we won't know exactly what the cost is. Anyhow, um, once this comes out and the local newspaper publishes a story about it, and everybody starts doing stories about it, uh, the the researcher says, well, I, I've had to cancel this because. 
people aren't taking it seriously. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what sort of picture she might be getting, but she's, I, I think this whole thing has been compromised. Not that I don't think it's a valid study, but I don't think it's been compromised. So the bottom line is, if you're on the Internet now trying to find out where you can send pictures of your stuff to, they're not running the survey anymore. So just to zip up and don't worry about this. You know, it's, they're, they're not running the survey. But I am, I'm reading this this morning. I was actually sharing the story with John McCure, and I was saying, I, I'm just curious, who is the guy that thinks that this is a good idea? Who is, no, we're not going to take phone calls on this. There's nowhere we can go with this story other than that. But but it's like, who is the guy that thinks this is, is just a, a good thing to do? And again, I'm, I mean, aside from like the lonely guys that are living in mom's basement, I mean, I'm trying to picture, <laughs> I'm just trying to picture the reaction of one's spouse if you're there taking a photograph that you are then going to send off on the Internet, now, maybe maybe this is a valid premise to test, um, but I, I think this might be one of those studies where you probably, just like Nancy Reagan said with regard to drugs back in the 80s, this is one where if they ask you to participate, maybe you just say no. 1254, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 109, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Uh, five weeks from yesterday, August 14th, voters throughout the state will be going to select candidates in primary elections. Then there's the general election, which will be in the fall, early November. In some cases, um, there, there's not a Republican candidate running for an office. In some cases, there's not a Democrat running for office. And so whoever wins the primary effectively is going to win the general election. In Milwaukee County, there are no Republicans that are running for the office of sheriff, which means whoever comes out of the Democratic primary five weeks from yesterday will be the sheriff in Milwaukee County for the next four years. Um, and what we're going to be doing is, as we get close to the primaries, we're talking to a number of the candidates. We are joined right now by the acting sheriff of Milwaukee County, Richard Schmidt. Uh, sheriff, good afternoon. Well, good afternoon, and to your listeners, and thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. Now, you have, essentially, you've spent your entire career in the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Department. You started as a deputy in 1986 and have worked for a number of different sheriffs before being, you know, elevated following Sheriff Clark's departure. So you know the department inside and out. Well, that's true. I've got uh, 32 years with the agency. I've worked and led every single place there uh, imaginable within the agency. So I do have a long history here, and it's been very enjoyable. And I'm, I'm just have to say, I'm just thrilled to death to be the sheriff right now. We've been making many, many changes, positive changes, and we're really moving this agency forward. Let's talk a little bit about some of the initiatives, Sheriff, since you took over following Sheriff Clark's departure. What are a couple of the things that, what are a couple of the changes that you've made with the department? I've actually have 14 brand new initiatives that I started since September 1st. I know that's a crazy amount, but these are things I needed. I'll just highlight uh, a couple of them. Sure. Uh, I think one of the most important, especially for uh, the listeners and the taxpayers in Milwaukee County, the budget was $6.8 million in deficit when I took over on August 31st of last year. I wanted to get that fixed. I'm a, I believe in the fiscal responsibility. I don't like running deficits. So the first thing we did was uh, I, I had four months to try and clean up that deficit. We got it split in half. I got rid of $3.8 million of that deficit. 
through cutting uh, commodity spendings, cutting drastic amount of overtime. And I promised in December that if um, that if I was still here in January, and uh, which I have been since January 2018, that we'd run a balanced budget. And I'm very happy to say the report just came out yesterday or the day before, and it does show the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office as operating a balanced budget. So I'm thrilled to death with that, and I think the taxpayers should be happy we've changed that mantra. Um, a couple other things which I think have been very visible, our reckless driving campaign. Uh, we've been really hitting this hard. There's so many accidents in Milwaukee County, drunk drivers, aggressive driving, and this is something I really wanted to, to uh, work hard on. So we've instilled what we call saturation patrols. In fact, uh, several of the media outlets were uh, showed it last night on television. We get three to four squads together in a particular uh, piece of the expressway. We have an individual that runs radar with a very sophisticated uh, piece of machinery that actually takes video uh, and clocks the speeds. We've written over 17,000 citations for aggressive driving, fast speeds, and so forth in the past six months. We've arrested 467 drunk drivers on the expressway. I'm not talking the city streets. This is just on the expressway in the, in the past uh, six months. We've arrested 40 individuals that were high on opioids, heroin, or fentanyl uh, that were arrested on the expressway system uh, just driving inappropriately. So those are a couple of the big ones. Sheriff, let me, let me ask you that. Some people might hear that, and they might say, okay, they're pulling over all these people on the freeway. They're writing all these different citations. Is this about law enforcement, or is this about generating revenue? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the people are going to be shocked at uh, how much money the sheriff's office doesn't make on this. Out of all that, uh, the tickets that are generated, the sheriff's office gets 9.3% of the revenue, if you will. Everything else is going to school safety programs, drug courts, other different things that, quite frankly, are very important uh, for the enhancement of Milwaukee County. So this literally, this is about public safety, and here's here's the, the real issue. 2,500 accidents on the Milwaukee County freeway system in the past six months. That's that's ridiculous. 2,500 accidents. Five people have died on the expressway system. Many people have received catastrophic, life-changing, uh, uh, horrible injuries that they'll never recover from. This is what I'm trying to stop. This is what our deputies are committed to. Uh, I, I, it's got to be something. And, and, and the people, and I've got to say this, I'm thankful to the people of the county. I receive constant emails and thanks for doing this to slow these speeds down, make it safe for us, uh, ever, all of our families, our loved ones, as we travel on these very high-speed highways. Well, Sheriff, one of the things I also notice about the, these different enforcement activities is you you publicize them. I mean, I'll, I'll see the stories. Okay, this is where we're going to be setting up some of these patrols. It's not like it's a secretive sort of thing. You want people to know you're out there because you want people to drive in a more responsible fashion, right? That's absolutely true. We want people to voluntarily comply with the laws of the land, if you will. Now, we understand some people are going to go a couple miles an hour the speed limit. That's not what we're targeting. That's not the people we're pulling over. We're talking about people going 20, 30, 40, 50 miles an hour over the speed limit. That's over 100 miles an hour on the expressway system. I think the, the public is happy that we're doing this. We are announcing it. I want people to know uh, we're out there, so I do not want to hide it. This isn't hide behind a pillar and try and get people. This is we're telling you. 
please don't do this because if you do, we're going to find you and we're going to have to pull you over. Sheriff, I, I have to ask because you, you were the, the number two guy under, under Sheriff Clark, and I, I think it would be fair to say that you have – the two of you have completely different styles in, in approaching things. Um, what, what are some of the things that that perhaps you would have done differently or some of the changes you thought needed to be made once you took over after Sheriff Clark left? All right. Well, I'm glad you pointed that out because for the last 11 months I have been the sheriff. I think the, the people, and I, and I, I appreciate the media and, and the phones, uh, calls like this and uh, the television and so forth, I believe they've been able to see Richmond is not about, um, if you will, being harsh on people, not being cooperative with community leaders and elected officials. My whole thing is about being cooperative. I'm, uh, I've been working with all the, the, the elected officials, starting from County Exec Abley. We have a great relationship. We're working to uh, do more enhancements on the budget, public safety. It's, it's really working well. I'm, I'm friends with uh, the Milwaukee Police Chief. We were, we have uh, a couple of task forces we're working on together. We work together. Uh, when you see me in rooms with the mayors, with the police chiefs, uh, you're, you're going to see a smile on my my face, shaking hands, working with people. I'm, I, and I just got to say this: I'm not about politics. I'm about getting public safety enhanced. I'm not about rhetoric. I'm about results. The only way we can get that done is when the sheriff is working cooperatively with all these people. I've committed to it. Hopefully the people have seen this for the last 11 months, and we're moving forward. A, a lot of people, I, I don't think, understand uh, really what the function of the, the sheriff's office is, because you're, you're not a local police department. You, you don't have the staffing that the Milwaukee Police Department has. What What is it, in your mind, that the sheriff's department really does and that the deputies should be spending most of their time concentrating on right there's a couple of very key focused areas by statute the sheriff is responsible for first thing is taking care of the jail that goes back to a long history so the sheriff's always been in charge of the jail that's a major piece and by the way um, we've made such major changes in that jail which maybe we'll get a chance to talk about Uh, the other thing is we're in charge of the expressway systems which we just talked about Uh, We have been contracted to provide security at the Milwaukee uh, County Airport or the Mitchell Field, if you will. We do security at uh, Freighter Hospital, which we're contracted to do. And another very important constitutional piece is, uh, a statutory piece, is I'm required to attend to the courts. So we have, we supply all the bailiffs for the circuit court system, and those are our main optics. Now, a couple of other things we do, we also have a regional SWAT team, uh, we, which is very, it's one of the best, and I think it's one of the best in the country that we have. Uh, we have a, a bomb squad. We have boat patrol. Uh, we are involved in multiple task forces, including violent crime, uh, warrants uh, with the uh, marshal service, and other agencies, so the, including the FBI. So these are the things I'm trying to keep it centered on the things statutorily we need to do. Uh, we have limited resources, and that's how you keep the budget, by the way, intact, is by not trying to go outside too far outside your lane, so to speak, mm-hmm. and do what we're actually asked to do statutorily. Sheriff, uh, as you probably know, I, I know a number of uh, of your deputies, and I, I guess my question would be, how would you describe your relationship with both the rank-and-file deputies and, and the sheriff's deputies union? Because I know in the past there's been some some contentious relationships, I think. Yes, and that, that's very true. I want to go back to uh, the president before the current one. The current president's Fred Gladney, Deputy Fred Gladney. What a great guy. 
Uh, we work together on things instead of going through fighting and grievances and all these other kind of things that have happened in the past. We really work together well. We solve things. I bring them in when we have issues with deputies. We work it out. It's a tremendous relationship. Uh, the individual that was the president before, who happens to be one of the candidates, uh, we work together as well. Uh, I've had a tremendously good relationship with the union. Uh, it's not about a contentious relationship. Again, I've, I've grown up in the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office 32 years here. I know the deputies. I know the correctional officers. I know the staff. If they do wrong, yes, they, they're being held accountable. But on the other hand, the vast majority of our deputies, our correctional officers, our staff, these are great people. I want them to enjoy coming to work. I work with them. Uh, some of this military bearing that they were required to do with the previous administration, I've basically gotten rid of. I want them to know that they can come to me when they, have, when they need help, when they need uh, issues they need to work on, when they're looking to get promoted. I want them to be able to walk into my office, shake my hand, spend some time, and show some good camaraderie as uh, brothers and sisters in law enforcement. Uh, Sheriff, I, I'm, I'm going to let you go, but I, maybe we can talk again in the future. We'll talk about the jail and some of these other things. But I, I appreciate you calling in. And again, for people who might be tuned out a little bit because we're sitting there and it's the middle of July, the primary election is five weeks from yesterday, so August 14th. And people, in your case, there, there's there after the primary, whoever wins that primary, um, that's going to be the person who uh, wins that job for the next four years. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it, and I do look forward to uh, further conversations with you. Absolutely, thank you very much. That's Acting Sheriff Richard Schmidt, um, who who he, he's a he's a lifer. Um, he spent his career in the sheriff's department, starting '86 as a sheriff's deputy, and worked his way through the ranks. He he was the number two guy when David Clark was in, and I think it's uh, love Sheriff Clark or hate Sheriff Clark. I, I think it's it's very clear that. Uh, now acting Sheriff Schmidt has a, a different sort of approach, certainly a lower profile and a, a different approach and a different view of, of what the job should be. And certainly want to give him an opportunity to appear. There are two other candidates and um, maybe we'll reach out to them as well. But again, this is one of those elections where whoever wins, in this case, the Democrat primary, they will win the seat because there's not a Republican running for sheriff in Milwaukee County. It's 122. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 125, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so very glad to have you with us. WTMJ and your Milwaukee Brewers are teaming up to help get Jesus Aguiar into the 2018 MLB All-Star Game. Text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line 414-799-1620, and we'll send you a link to the voting ballot. Now, now. Voting stops in about 90 minutes, 3 o'clock Central Time, with the results to be announced sometime probably before 6 o'clock. But you've got another hour and a half as of 10 o'clock this morning. Jesus Aguiar was leading. We don't know the vote totals, so we don't know how far he is ahead of the second-place guy or the fifth-place guy. All we know is that he is leading. Plus, if you text us a picture or a screen cap of you voting for Jesus, you will be automatically entered for a chance to win the grand prize. And this is the grand prize. Four tickets to a game, the chance to watch batting practice, and you get to meet Jesus himself. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. So check that all out. You have until 3 o'clock to vote. Hey, coming up in about 10 minutes, there's an area high school that, well, 
I mean, they've got the Taj Mahal of bleachers, and it's become a little bit controversial. We are going to discuss that. I'm going to tell you about a community that's paying people to live there. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to go anywhere near that place and a number of other stories as well. This is the time where a number of candidates are starting to release their their financial uh, numbers um, because, again, you've got a primary election coming up in a little less than five weeks. And one of one of the horse race numbers you look at is, is how much money a candidate is raising. Now, I always tell people you've got to be careful about this because elections aren't won by the person who has the most money. Uh, all you need is you need enough money to get your message out. So, I mean, I'm not one of these guys that obsesses over somebody raised a million two and somebody raised a million. So that means the person that raised a million has to be way behind. That, that's, that, that, I don't buy into that. But if you see somebody out there who's not raising money at a, at a rate that you think they should be, so they're not going to be able to run radio ads or TV ads or whatever, that tells you a campaign may in fact be in trouble. Um, Attorney General Brad Schimmel, who is a friend of this program, he's been a guest of mine at Insight the last couple years. I go back to the 80s with, with Brad Schimmel when he started as an assistant district attorney in Waukesha County. I was in the U.S. Attorney's Office out of Milwaukee. So, I mean, I, I've known him for years and years. I think he's doing an outstanding job. Um, he came out yesterday in his campaign, and, and candidly, this is a tough environment to raise money in, in part because you've got a governor's election and you've got a U.S. Senate election, and those candidates are all pulling uh, big chunks of change. Um, you know, uh, anyways... The, the numbers that, that the Attorney General released says that um, as of the end of June, he had more than a million dollars um, cash on hand, more than a million dollars cash on hand. That's that is certainly enough money to be able to, um, I don't know, get your message out. So his campaign certainly, you know, on track. Um, let's see, they raised almost $672,000 since the last campaign finance reporting period on December 31st. And that is an environment where you've got the governor who's pulling money out, where you've got Republican Senate candidates pulling money out. Brad Schimmel's numbers look pretty darn good if you're following that aspect of the horse race. It's 129. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So a couple weeks ago, uh, my step-granddaughter graduated from eighth grade. And we, we, we actually did a topic about this at the time. Um, eighth grade graduation is a big deal. So the, although they don't call it graduation, they call it promotion. That, that's, that's they, you're, you're being promoted to high school. And the eighth grade graduation was, for, for where Gracie went to school, was at the, the high school. And this is how it was. I remember my niece, Sydney, she went to Pewaukee and, um, you know, her, her eighth grade graduation was in the same high school gymnasium as, as her high, as her high school graduation was. So anyhow, a few weeks ago, we're there and it's the grandparents and it's the parents and uh, it's her brother and all. And, and we're, we're kind of crammed into this high school gym sitting on, on these bleachers. And I admit, it's been a long time. I mean, I, I don't go to high school basketball games and stuff, and it's been a long time since I routinely sat on high school bleachers. But the, the ceremony was about an hour, an hour and ten minutes long. And I I admit that after, oh, about 20 minutes of sitting on the bleachers, well, I, I'm kind of getting a little bit restless. They, they're, they were not particularly comfortable. It's not a criticism. It, they were they were just kind of they were kind of bleachers. But I do admit that I was sitting there thinking, boy, 
I wish I had a comfy seat. <laughs> you know, I wish I wish I had a chair back. You know, I, I wish I had, you know, my, my own little seat where I could kind of fit my own little bottom into, you know, that 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 type of stuff. But, you know, you kind of make do because it's a graduation. I was thinking of that when I came across the story. Homestead High School up in Mequon, they are in the process this summer of undertaking and completing a a modification, a renov- renovation of their, their main gym. The whole renovation is going to cost about $112,000. The centerpiece of the renovation, though, is they are installing new bleachers in, in the gym, um, one on the home team side, one on the visiting team side. The home team bleachers, let's see, they're going to seat like 441 people on the home side, and on the other side, the visitor side, it'll seat 330 people. Of the $112,000 for the gym renovation, 65000 of it is going to be, that's what the bleachers cost. So you're talking about $65,000 for the bleachers. But it doesn't stop there. Um, as part of this, the the bleachers, the $65,000 uh, $65, project, includes 20 new premium seats on the aisle beside behind the Homestead team bench. Now, you might say, okay, it's, it's bleachers. What, what, what are premium seats doing? Well, here's what they're doing. Apparently, the um, premium seats, instead of bleachers, the, these seats, these 20 seats, they have chair backs, um, they have cup holders, and they have personalized nameplates reserving the seats for those who purchase them for the length of the season. And if you want one of these 20 seats, um, it'll cost you $250 per seat per season. So it's a way that you can support the team. Now, this project, overall, it cost 112000 bucks. The bleachers were sixty five grand. The bleachers, that money is being paid for by the Homestead Boosters Club. So it's not coming out of, of school funds. The rest of the money is coming either from the athletic budget or from uh, funds the school district set aside for athletic-specific projects. But the $65,000 is not public money per se. It's the booster club that, that's giving the money to redo the, the bleachers. Now, theoretically, they could have given that money to do all sorts of other things like buying books or whatever, but they're spending it on the bleachers. But you're also going to have these special seats that are set aside 250 bucks a piece they're going to have chair backs they're going to have cup holders they're going to have name tags our number 414-799-1620 that's the Acunet mortgage talk and text line okay this is this is a high school gym here is my question to you and i'm going to tell you where i come down on this in just a moment but i'm curious as to your reaction is this ostentatious is this over the top? Is it too much to have a select number of seats set aside and essentially they go to the highest bidder? 250 bucks, you get your own seat, you've got a chair back, you've got a name tag, you've got a drink holder. Is that appropriate for a high school setting like this? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. Your reaction. 141, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
It's 143, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right, WTMJ, we've been telling you this all day, and your Milwaukee Brewers are teaming up to help get Jesus Aguiar into the 2018 Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. Voting ends in one hour and 15 minutes. And you, okay, text that, uh, text that word. We'll send you a link to the voting ballot. Plus, if you text us a picture or screen cap of you voting for Jesus, you will be automatically entered for a chance to win the grand prize, four tickets to a game, the chance to watch batting practice, and you get to meet Jesus himself. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. In addition to that, uh, sometime during the 2 o'clock hour of the program, I have four tickets to a Brewers game that we will be giving away so keep listening for that. That's during the 2 o'clock hour of the program. Right now, we're talking about um, Homestead High School, which is in, in Mequon. Um, they're, they're undergoing, apparently their, their main gym is going through this renovation. It's a $112,000 project. $65,000 of that is going to bleachers. All right? I, I It's being paid for by the Booster Club. So I, I don't have an issue with that. I mean, it's the booster club that's paying for it, so it's not tax dollars, so we're not having the argument about whether or not that that's a a waste of money. But what is interesting is these aren't just any bleachers. Right now, they are carving out 20 seats in the bleachers. Those seats are going to be on the aisle right behind the team bench. They're going to have chair backs. They're going to have cup holders, and they're going to have the name of the person who purchases them on them. So um essentially your your seat is reserved for the whole year. You can buy this on you know each year. So presumably they'll be selling them every year. You buy it for one season, it's 250 bucks, you know, you can buy it again. It, it's like I don't know seat licenses at Lambeau Field, I presume. It's like buying a suite at Miller Park, but this is for high school sports. 4147991620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Maybe you will disagree with me on this, but, you, you know, I don't have an issue with this. I, I understand, on the one hand, it strikes me as as a little bit, as somewhat excessive. But the truth of the matter is, it, it's a way of raising money. It's not like you're not going to have an opportunity to get a seat in the bleachers. I mean, on the home team side, they got 400 and some odd seats. So they're only singling out 20. And, you know, they're charging this, this $250. So it's a way of raising a little bit of extra revenue. I think, if anything, you might make the argument that if there's a lot more demand for these types of seats, maybe you consider, consider expanding them. Look, I understand it's a public school and you always want people to be able to, to go in and sit. But I guess I don't see anything wrong with carving out a, a section, in this case, again, admittedly, it's a, it's a small section, but a small section and giving the people who are willing to, you know, pony up a, a, an extra amount of money, giving them some priority seating. Now, on the college level, this happens, you know, big time. I, if I'm a Marquette basketball fan and, you know, if you want to sit really close to the court, well, what you have to do is you have to reach into your wallet and you have to pony up a substantial donation to their blue and gold fund to get, you know, the really close in seats. 414-799-1620. Does this practice bother you? Let's start with Jason in Sheboygan. Hi, Jason. Hey, good afternoon. Um, this really does bother me. Okay. Uh, 
I listen to your show all the time. I listen to Steve in the morning. He's always talking about a civil war. And again, this puts the haves versus the have-nots. Um, real quick, let's say you got a rich family and their son comes off the bench. And there's a star athlete whose parents can't afford that. Well, there you go. you got competition going between those two families. Maybe maybe the rich family says, you know what, you're a star. We're going to pay for your parents' seats. It, at this kind of level, it is not good at all, and I'm totally against it. Well, the fact is, you're, you're, you're okay, on, on the home team side, you have you do have 440 seats. They're only talking about 20. So it's not like the the parents of, let's say, the folks who can't afford to buy the $250 seats to make that donation. It's not like they're not going to be able to get in and see the game, and it's not like they're not going to be able to get decent seats. This is just a, an extra way of raising revenue, but it still bothers you, huh? Real quick. I've been teaching high school for 22 years. I know how these students view stuff like this. It is going to be a very, very bad thing between the students. It's going to create kind of issues. Your your dad or your grand look, your grandpa yeah. has those two seats there or something like that. Yes. Got it. Okay. Well, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. No, I, I mean, that that's what I, I think is interesting about this. Look, again, I there's not – it's the booster club that paid for the bleachers. So that, I think – that discussion is off the table, but it is, I think, if this works, and I mean, I know, I think other area high schools, if they don't do this already, are going to look at, at this as a way of generating a, a bunch of extra revenue. And that, to me, is, that's what's interesting about this. Does this go too far? Because he's right. I mean, it does single out. You're going to have a handful of quote-unquote haves, and my guess is, um, again, if you're a wealthier parent who can afford to buy four tickets or whatever, you go to the game, so you buy the seats, it's a thousand bucks, you know, you'll have those reserve seats. Is that going to create sort of envy with the rest of the families and the other parents and the other kids whose parents can't afford to have those seats, even though everybody's in the gym? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Tom in Mequon. Tom, your neck of the woods. Hello. Yeah, I am a Mequon. I'm a homestead parent. Okay. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. The, uh, Olmsted put in a very expensive turf field a couple of years ago. Most of it's sponsored by the Booster Club. That's how they raise money. Right. They were generous people that they do happen to have money, and they give it to the school for those purposes. Um, the fact that somebody may not like them because they're rich or have money, and I'm not one of them that would buy these seats, mm-hmm. but you know who they are anyway. And if they're spending the money and it's being used for the school, let them. Do you, think it, do you think it? Do you think it promotes kind of that class warfare that our last caller Jason was talking about? Where okay, there's there's this privileged you know, handful of people. It, no. it doesn't promote it. It's already there. They know who the wealthy people are. Right, right, so right. The right, fact right. that they may think they're flaunting it, okay, that's fine. But they're giving it to the students and to the schools. So and you're it's money that Nequan doesn't have to spend because yeah. it's raised privately. Um, what if it were more than twenty seats? What if this is popular and they that's sell out? Draw a line. Okay, because <laughs> because that, that's I'm sitting there thinking, okay, if I'm the athletic director or whatever, and there's 440 seats on the the fact on the, the home team side, and you sell out these twenty right away, then it's like, hey, you know, if, if, if do we go another forty? You think yeah. twenty is kind of the limit? Yeah, if you were to do half the seats or a quarter of the seats, I think that's too much. Okay, good enough. Thank- these, these are people that probably would donate the money anyway. So let them. 
Right. Okay. Good enough. Thanks. Because I, I am. I mean, I guess that then becomes the the issue. How far do you go? This is a very limited thing. It's you know what five what five percent or so of of the overall number of seats that are being singled out. But if it's a success, do you expand it to ten percent? Do you expand it to twenty percent? Do you consider having different tiers? Okay, if you want to be in the front two rows, you, you pay the two hundred and fifty bucks, and then if you want to be in the next five rows, tell you what, it's a hundred dollar donation, and then above that, because again, that's uh, a lot of colleges do that. I mean, if you want to, you, you look at the people that are sitting in the first couple rows at the Marquette games, for example, and. They're making donations to the school for the privilege of buying tickets. It's just the way these are funded. 414-799-1620. Elizabeth in Hortonville. Hi, Elizabeth. You're on WTMJ. Hi. I think this is a genius idea. I've had kids um, in sports for the better part of 20 years. They were all hockey skaters, and we used to auction off at the annual banquet the first four parking rows or the first mm-hmm. four parking spots for, for parents and when you're you're going to be there anyways, and you're slapping kids back and forth, and you know you got a front row parking spot, and you didn't have to wait. You know people paid for it, and it all went back to the program. So, you know, like the other caller said, it's people that are going to donate money anyways. Do, does it create resentment though about about the the moms and dads who can't afford to bid for those front row parking spaces? Did they resent the fact that you know, oh, it's the it's the the rich people that that got it, and we have to walk half, uh, across a like an ice-covered parking lot? Um, you know, there were probably some hard feelings, but it, you know, I mean, it's not like it was a class warfare. I mean, right. if your kids are in high school athletics, everybody's shelling out money left and right anyways. It's not like, you know, equipment costs, especially for hockey, everybody's, you know, beg borrowing and pleading for, you know, used equipment or, or selling out money. So, I mean, I, it never got where it was, right. you know, too bad or anything. It was just a way to raise money. And, yeah. you know, then you got a nice parking spot and you limit it. You, you know, if you wanted it next year, then you were going to have to bid somebody else out of it. Right. Because, I mean, thanks. No, and I, I guess, I mean, they call this passive fundraising. You know, it's just, and I, I guess, I mean, I look at it and I, I do appreciate the concern. I think it can get out of control. I, I guess as long as you limit it to a certain number and, and a reasonable percentage of the, in this case, the, the gym, and they are there. I mean, they're talking about 5% essentially of, of the seats that are available. So it's not like other people aren't going to be able to go to the gym. Let's talk to Ross and Muskego. Ross, you're on WTMJ. Hey, I, I just want to say I think this is a great idea. Schools are always looking for ideas to try and raise money, and this is just an out-of-the-box idea. Mm-hmm. It might not work, but I think it's going to be fantastic if it does work because all the students are going to get to benefit from the proceeds that are being raised. Mm-hmm. I, it's not like we're talking about someone sitting in the first row in Miller Park versus the last row in the 400 sections. We're in a high school gym. Right. Right. I mean, it's just not going to be a big deal. I think it's really just going to be donated for people who would have donated the money anyways. Right. So my guess is they sell out pretty quickly. I mean, my my guess is the big discussion we're going to be having about this this next year, Ross, isn't should you continue doing it, but will be should you expand it? Because my my guess is they'll have, I don't know, my guess is they they'll they'll have. 30, 40, maybe 50 people who would be willing to shell out that 250. Then it gets a little trickier, I think. I think I would agree as well. Uh, I think they just need to put a cap on what they can actually do in terms of how many seats they put in it. Right. But then maybe if there's that many people who want to do it, maybe think about raising the price to you know, raise more money for the kids. 
Um, yeah, no, I mean, thanks. I guess that, that's it. I, I think this is an interesting conversation. That's why, you know, we, we spent a segment on it because it, it raises this sort of larger issue. Budgets are strapped. You're trying to figure out where dough is going to come from to support these different programs. I, I think you, you've got to be mindful of the fact that it's still, it's a public high school and, you know, you want people to have access and all. But carving out 5% of the seats, I, I, I think it's actually, I think it's a pretty good idea. I am sensitive to the thing that maybe it creates some of this class consciousness, but my guess is that's there anyways. And as long as you keep it reasonable and 5% seems to be a reasonable number, I, I think it's going to work. And again, my guess is they sell those seats out right away. 156, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hey, in the next hour of the program, we got a lot of stuff coming up. A town is paying people to live in it. I don't want to live there. Um, celebrity backlash, but in a different sort of way. I had a reaction to something I saw on TV the other day, and I want to talk to you about it and a lot more. Stick around. 156, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, and Brewers tickets to give away. That's all coming up. It's 208. This is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. So, Melissa, you and I, early this morning. <laughs> we were both yawning at the same time there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, we'll, we'll pull back the curtain. During the news, we, we, both, we both like yawned a little bit. I but just that, thought you were maybe really bored with my newscast. No, 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 no not, <laughs> not at all. No, 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 because in our defense, you and I were both up extremely early in our separate homes. Um, I got up about 5 o'clock because we were out at, at Miller Park yes, this morning at Miller the Brewers Park, event. Trying to get everyone out there to vote for Jose. Uh, hey, Jose. Jesus. Hey, Sue. John McCure called him Jose yesterday, so now it's in my head. Uh, But Jesus Aguilar, and, you know, we'll see this afternoon. Voting stops at 3 o'clock, so after that, uh, we'll find out if he's part of the All-Star team. Grew, who is producing the show today and always. Melissa was the star. People were coming up to me saying, where's Melissa Barkley? We heard she was going to be there. (laughs) Um, If you go to our website, Mm WTMJ.com, we've got pictures of this up there. There's um, one of my, you know, racing sausages were there. There's pictures of us. What actually was cool, because the Brewers had all this Brewer swag, and you and I and John and Karen D'Alessandro from WKTI, Uh we were at the, we'd, we'd go at the bags and we'd find people and we'd be giving them Whatever stuff the brewers had, which yeah. was T shirts, we had eight balls, we had backpacks, we had umbrellas. It was stuff that was left over it was it was stuff that was le- I'm uh- I'll give this away. It was stuff that was left over from various giveaways that they had. You know, so yeah. you know, so if you've ordered forty thousand umbrellas and you only gave away thirty nine thousand eight hundred, they, they had those. They, so, but it was really cool. It was, but hey, it was really everybody stuff, wanted yeah. that stuff. Yeah, and it was really great stuff. And you know, it's funny. I was out there and I was sweating in the tits that they were had they'd given us, and I was like, gosh, I'm sweaty. And then I was looking at the running sausages, and I was thinking to myself. They have to be really hot inside those running sausages. So then I didn't feel so bad for myself. What do you mean inside that? those running sausages? You mean that you mean there's people in there? <sighs> oh my! Oh my goodness! Wait a second! You mean well, that that's not really a human legs? You mean that's not really a running chorizo? <laughs> Anyhow, if you want to see pictures mm. of, of Melissa and I and John and Karen, one one of my very favorite pictures. It's actually on our website when you click on this. Because um, first thing. They have John McCure and Karen D'Alessandro, again, who's from WKTI, our sister station, and me. And and I, John and I look like giants because <laughs> Karen's about five feet tall. Yeah. And, and so I'm I'm 6'1". Oh, my gosh. I'm looking at that photo oh, now. Right. Yeah. You guys do. Yeah. What are you, like seven foot tall? Well, I mean, it, it kind of looks like that. I either, I you know, it, it, Karen, like, like, she's like, like, she's like, I feel like I'm a child compared. But I mean, I'm 6'1", which I don't think is freakishly large, I, but I'm 6'1". Yeah. And John's a little bit shorter than me. But it is, if you look at that, it's, it's one of my actually favorite pictures because it's just, it's the three of us. She's, of course, a very talented person, delightful lady. For sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, so you can you can check out all the photos. You're featured on some of them, giving mm-hmm. the things out. So um, it was it was just 
It was a lot of fun. It would be better perspective if Karen and I were next to each other because we're both really short. How tall are you? Five two. Five two. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. probably what she is, but. Yeah, but it was, uh, yeah, but it was, so it was kind of funny. But you can all check that out. And Melissa, so you were just fun. a great sport this morning. Oh, you absolutely you were. <laughs> um, we got brewer tickets to give away in just, uh, well, between now and three o'clock. So listen, all right. I, I just, we, we talked yesterday about Brett Kavanaugh, who was, of course, nominated, Judge Kavanaugh, who was nominated by President Trump to take the spot of retiring Justice Anthony Kennedy on the U.S. Supreme Court. As, as I said yesterday, Democrat presidents are going to select liberal justices. Conserva- Republican presidents are hopefully going to select conservative justices. There have been some mistakes. For example, the first President Bush chose David Souter, who turned out to just go. He was not what people thought he was when he ended up getting uh, confirmed originally. Um, but but that that's just the way it is. So elections have consequences, and I think what happens is you have to look at the person the president nominates, particularly in a situation where his party controls the Senate, who ultimately confirms things. And the question becomes, is is the candidate that the president has selected somebody who is in the mainstream? And th- there's no question that Judge Kavanaugh is a mainstream conservative Jurist, they're just you. You you look at the guy's credentials. This isn't some some kook. This is a guy, you know, Yale undergraduate, Yale Law School. He worked in the Bush administration. Um, you know, he worked for Ken Starr, and and since two thousand six, he's been on the D.C. Court of Appeals, which is generally regarded as, even though all courts of appeals are equal, all thirteen of them, I think, um, the D.C. Court of Appeals is generally held in high regard because since it's based in D.C., they hear a lot of the cases, lots of lawsuits are brought there because of the, the interaction with the government and things like that. He's written over three hundred opinions, and again, he is a mainstream conservative jurist. He is, quite candidly, he's from Central Casting, and he should be and will be, I think, confirmed. There'll be a fight, but, I mean, this isn't somebody who's just out there. So I've been listening to the conversations that, that have occurred since he was nominated. Within five minutes of the nomination, you had all these left-wing protesters who descended on the steps of the Supreme Court, and, and the, the rhetoric was just incredible. This guarantees that Thousands of women will directly die because of this. Oh, just give me a break. I mean, seriously. And then I've been looking at a number of of the texts, particularly ones that are sent out um, by by some of the quote unquote Hollywood elite and the celebrities. Now, of course, this comes in an era where um, Robert De Niro walks out on stage at the um, the awards, the Tony Awards, and says, "Blank Trump." That's all I have to say. I mean, completely out of con- I mean, it's just uses this obscenity. Blank Trump. That's all I have to say. You know, you know, don't defeat Trump. Blank Trump. And I'm thinking, no context at all. This is this is what this guy says. So I'm looking at um, some of the tweets. Josh Whedon, who's a Hollywood producer, I think he did Buffy the Vampire Slayer and other things. Even considering this nomination, will cement the first American dictatorship? Huh? Dictatorship. Ron Perlman, he's uh, he was in Beauty and the Beast, and he was uh, in the Sons of Anarchy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen who care for and respect ladies, it is official. The move, this is, okay, this is nominating a mainstream conservative jurist. Okay, ladies and gentlemen who care for and respect ladies, it is official. The move back to medieval values, 
Sharia law even, where old, bitter men get to tell women what is best for their bodies, lives, and well-being is as done a deal as is this Twitter, unless we say no, no. Huh. Um, Julianne Moore, you know, actress. Please, we must send the Senate a clear message. This country cannot afford a justice on the Supreme Court who is likely to support the gun lobby's extreme absolutist interpretation of the Second Amendment. Message your senators now. Tell them to vote no. Um, Rob Reiner. Yes, he is still alive. Rob Reiner, meathead from All in the Family. It's official. Trump, who is now under investigation for obstruction of justice and conspiring with an enemy to destroy democracy, has selected the judges who could rule on whether he can be forced to testify, be indicted, or pardon himself. Autocracy, here we come. Vote. Um, It just kind of goes on and on. Jimmy Kimmel, breaking Donald Trump's shocking Supreme Court nominee. Supreme Court. Michael Moore. Yeah, he's still around, too. What else do you need to know about Brett Kavanaugh other than he worked with Ken Starr to impeach Clinton, worked to help W. win Bush versus Gore Supreme Court case, and worked in both Bush White Houses, recommended to Bush to put Alito and Roberts on the court? He must. He must be stopped. John Cusack, actor, contradicting himself as a partisan lackey all by himself. Just lay um, on the job record against his legal positions. Who are you going to believe, him or your lying eyes? Work for Ken Starr, but a president shouldn't be indicted. Trump picked his very own Supreme Court judge, et cetera, et cetera. And it goes on, but you get the idea. It's one of these celebrities after another, you know, taking to Twitter and, and saying these things. Now, now that's fine. I guess they have the right to, to do all that. But I, I want to f- switch gears. I was watching television the other day. And I saw a promo come on for the the new season of a, a show called Ray Donovan, which is on Showtime. And I, I don't I don't watch the show. I, I watched the first year, kind of lost interest in it. But every once in a while, I'll dial in. Susan Sarandon, who is you know one of the the big lefties that's out there, she's in that show. And I was watching the promo, and and you know they were showing you know some of the scenes that she was doing in it or whatever. And I watched it, and I, I admit my reaction was. I can't stand to watch this woman. I, I just, I can't, I can't watch this. And I, I will tell you, having listened to, you know, Robert De Niro with his blank Trump, I, 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 I can't, I cannot see ever going to another movie featuring Robert De Niro. And I, I think this is kind of my reaction. It's, it's the, my own sort of backlash. I'm looking at some of these people that are more outspoken, and I've always done, I think, a pretty good job of kind of separating the the politics from, you know, the professional. If you're a good actor, I don't care. I'll go watch the show. But the more and more I see of this stuff, the more and more difficult it is for me to simply say, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to the Susan Sarandon movie, the latest movie. Because I tell you, I, I, I feel... And maybe it's just maybe it's just wrong, but I feel like I'm supporting this woman who is just completely and totally unhinged. It's not just a matter of having different politics or disagreeing. It's completely and totally unhinged. It's sort of like the Michael Moores of the world. I haven't seen a Michael Moore thing since I don't know when. I saw the first one. But, you know, ever since he became completely unhinged, I would never spend money to support Michael Moore. And I find myself reacting that way more and more to some of the celebrities that are just – 
absolutely out there. I'm not talking about the ones that go and donate money to Democrat causes. I'm talking about this over-the-top sort of reaction. If you confirm Judge Kavanaugh, thousands of women are going to die. This over-the-top reaction, candidly, at least in me, it is creating the celebrity backlash to the point that I think it would be hard. I don't know that I'm going to say I'm never going to do this, but, you know, for some of these people, the TV shows they're in, the movies that they're they're making, I, I think I'm going to kind of react with my pocketbook and say that I, I think it's unlikely that I'm going to be spending money to see things that they are in, at least in the foreseeable future. That's been my reaction to this constant, over-the-top, anti-Republican stuff. All right, 414-799-20. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are, are you finding yourself having what I'm calling this, this celebrity backlash to the point that you, you see some of these more outspoken, in-your-face type of people, and you say, okay, well, you know, they're using their celebrity for this particular thing. That's great. But you know what? I mean, my own little way of rebelling is I'm not going to go to the next movie starring whoever. I'm not going to go to that concert. I'm not going to buy that record. This is my response. I mean, I tell you something. I, I don't know what Robert De Niro's doing now, but I I cannot imagine going to another Robert De Niro movie just because I'm not going to be able to see the character he's portraying. I'm going to be seeing the, the loudmouth who comes out and uses expletives on you know national live TV directed at the president, a president that I criticize from time to time. That's where I think the celebrity backlash is playing out. You're appealing to your tribe, but... You know, that that's only maybe you can still make a living appealing to your tribe. But as far as a lot of the rest of us, I think I'm just going to say no. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. Are you having a celebrity backlash? 220 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 222 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Oh, I think Robert De Niro in his prime was a great American actor. Godfather 2, Mean Streets. I mean, he did a lot of really, really good work. You, you couldn't pay me to go to a Robert De Niro movie now, not because... He's been making a lot of bad movies, but because it, the, the the in-your-face politics, I've had enough of it. Scott in Waukesha. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Scott. Jeff. Hi, Scott. I listen to you all the time. Thanks. Uh, I'm a truck driver, and one of the things I like to listen to. Thank you. Um, I have to agree with you, because I stopped watching a lot of the TV shows, even a lot of the news feeds. I don't really watch. I'll watch local news. I really don't even watch the uh, yeah, you know, syndicated stuff because I'm tired of hearing how they bash them. And I agree with you. I don't listen to agree with everything President Trump says, but when he doesn't, I like you said, you're you're right there and going to disagree with him when he doesn't, right? Right. And agree with him when he does something good. So I just want to say thanks very much. For, well, you're very uh, welcome. Thank and thank you for. And again, it's just, it's just it's kind of the over the top reaction. And, and there's always been celebrities who've used their their positions and their celebrity to advance their particular causes. I get it. But I guess just recently, I've kind of I'm at the point where it's just enough is enough because it's all the overheated stuff and everybody taking to Twitter and you 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 know they they you confirm Judge Kavanaugh and pe- thousands of people are going to die and this is the start of an American dictatorship. Oh, for goodness' sakes, give me a break. Let's talk to Jeff in Brookfield. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. You are so right on. Um, we went and saw a jazz saxophone player on 
at Summerfest on Saturday, and I've seen him numerous times, always put on a good show. But ever since Donald Trump has become president, these people just cannot contain themselves. Mm -hmm. They have to give you a couple-minute lecture about how they feel about how the country's in so much trouble and all the turmoil we're in. You know, they just all have to just constantly lecture us. They just can't perform anymore. Right. We're actually looking at concerts where we don't even want to go to certain shows because we're almost for sure going to get a lecture from some of these people. Well, right, exactly. And I guess that that's how I just sort of feel about, I, I, I see some of these promos. I, I went um, Saturday night, I went to see Ant-Man and the Wasp. And before that, before I saw the movie, you, know, you have to sit through 20 minutes of previews. And there were two or three previews with, you know, some of these movies that are coming out with some of these particularly loud-mouthed actors, I'm sitting there thinking, I just, I, I, I'm not going to pay money to support this particular person. I don't care if it's an interesting movie or not. I just, I can't stand being lectured to by that person anymore. So I'm going to vote with my pocketbook, and I think a lot of people are starting to do that. Absolutely, some of these concerts are hundreds of dollars to go see some of these oh, yeah. people, like maybe a Fleetwood Mac or Roger Waters was in town, and the show I guess he put on. Just unbelievable how anti-Trump it was. Yeah, so well, I spend that kind of money, and then tell uh, someone tell you you're terrible for doing what you voted. Well, well, right, exactly, and, and you're dumb, and it's evil. No, thanks for the call. And again, I, I I always tell this story about you know, I'm, I'm a Jimmy Buffett fan, and I, I always get people, oh, Jimmy Buffett's a hand, uh, you know, has been. Well, Jimmy Buffett still sells out whenever he tours and stuff. But I mean, okay, he's a big lefty. I know that. But you don't go to these concerts. He doesn't lecture you. He, he puts on a show. It's, hey, we're all going to have fun. He realizes his, off, his audience is all across the political spectrum. Now, he goes and does fundraisers for Democrats. I know that. I see that stuff. That's okay. But, you know, the concerts, it's not political. It's like, okay, I'm here to entertain you. I'm not going to I'm not going to lecture you. And I think that's one of the reasons why. you. I mean, he knows who his audience is. And he's entitled to his political opinions. And again, I don't mind him raising money and things like that, but he's not going on national TV going, you know, blank Trump or whatever. Let's talk to Jeff and Fox Point. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. I'm really glad that last guy called because I had a similar experience. But I was telling your producer that this is affecting me all over the board with different kinds of media, especially my movie library. And I was watching Midnight Run and I had trouble with that. Yeah. And that. That might go to my next Goodwill shipment. <laughs> and then there's this uh, special edition of, of Bull Durham on uh, Blu-ray coming out pretty soon. And oh. I was going to buy it, but I'm not going to now because I share your... It's, yeah, uh, right. Uh, with Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon, who are two of the mouthier Hollywood celebrities. And that's saying a lot. But yeah. <laughs> no, no, thanks yeah, for, I, no, I, I would have problems. I think, And again, it, it's just I, I never used to find myself feeling this, this way. I, I just never did. But I think it, it's just the, the ratcheted up tone nowadays and the kind of the, the in-your-face sort of stuff. All right, Joanne in Cedar Grove. Joanne, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. I'm a, a voice out of the wilderness, apparently. And I, I just want to say, when you talk about over-ratcheting things and over-reacting and celebrities, I see Donald Trump first in line. Did you see the... Um, rally the other night in yep, Montana? I did. The ugliness, the divisiveness, the unkindness, the cold-heartedness, I, the, the nastiness. I, I've never, I don't recall, and I lived through Nixon, and I, I don't recall anything ever being and and if he were if he were in well, let me stop you there. You, you also then you, you also lived through, for example, you know President Bush and the Iraq War invasion. Do you remember the let what the left was doing then? Well, I 
personally, I think that was a travesty, okay. too. You know, we should have never gone to war in Iraq. Well, well no, no, but I, I mean the reaction. I, I, I mean, what I mean is the, the reaction, the visceral hatred that was being directed, the things that were being said um, about President Bush back then, whether you agreed with the war or not. I mean, I, th- that the invict- invective well, I, there was terrible. In all, in all honesty, I never thought that I would live long enough to see the day that, that President Bush wouldn't look good. And I'll tell you, I have lived to see that day. Got he it. actually seems like a reasonable person in comparison to the idiot we have on board now. Okay, well, Joy, I'm going to let you go because, again, this I, I, I'm not arguing right now about reactions to President Trump or things like that. I, I am saying, though, that I, I think for I'm just telling you my personal reaction. And obviously, you know, you're, you're turned off to President Trump and that that's fine. I'm just saying that my reaction to the so-called celebrities who use their celebrity for me, which I think is completely over the top stuff, too. All right. You, you know, if, if, it, if it becomes Justice Kavanaugh, thousands of women are going to die. My reaction is enough of it. I, I don't want to hear this anymore. And so I'm going to respond by not going to the movies. Now, Joanne, you'll, you'll probably love to go to the movies and those concerts. And that that's great. And I'm sure these people can still make a good living. But. It's not going to be on my money. All right, back with more in just a minute. It's 229. 2.37, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, we have our winner of the four-pack of tickets to a undetermined Brewers game to be selected by the Brewers. So we have our winner. Thanks for participating. All right, one final time. WTMJ and your Milwaukee Brewers are teaming up to help get Jesus Aguiar into the 2018 Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620, and we will send you a link to the voting ballot. Plus, if you text us a picture or screen cap of you voting for Jesus, you'll be automatically entered for a chance to win the grand prize, which is very cool, four tickets to a game, the chance to watch batting practice, and you get to meet Jesus himself. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. All right, the voting for this all-star thing, it it ends at 3 o'clock today. It is now 2.38, so um, 22 minutes. And as we've been saying all day, as of 10 o'clock this morning, Major League Baseball, uh, they, they don't tell you the vote totals, but but Jesus Aguiar was was leading. He was the top of the five candidates. But we we don't know how close what a difference is between one and two or one and five. It's just that the, he was number one. But you have twenty two more minutes to vote. And again, if you text us Jesus J E S U S to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line four one four seven nine nine one six twenty, we will uh, send you a link. And if you send us the screen capture or the photograph, you get entered for that great contest. Sounds like a lot of fun. All right. I I, I tease this topic in, in the promos, and I, I do want to get around to it. There, there are people in this country who ha- are, are fascinated with the notion of socialism. I mean, Bernie Sanders, who's, who's coming to campaign for Tammy Baldwin and for the guy running for Congress, out of uh, out of the first congressional district, I mean Bernie Sanders is an avowed socialist. I mean he 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 makes no bones about this. Now the reality is socialism doesn't work. Socialism has never worked, and socialism would I think just pretty much destroy this country. But it, but it has this this appeal. Oh, wouldn't it be so wonderful if everybody was just treated the same? Wouldn't that be just great? And of course, the the reality is that's not how it works out in in the world. But all right, it's it's one of these sort of ideals that, that's out there. Well, there are com- 
countries who have, you know, experimented with this. For example, one of the, the ideas that's being pushed by socialists is the idea of a universal basic income. In other words, everybody should be guaranteed a, a certain amount of money. Finland, for example, tried this. And, and they started off, they took 2,000 unemployed working age people. So people who could work, these aren't disabled people, people who could work but weren't working, and they decided we're going to give them 560 euros per month. I'd, I'd have to look at the conversion thing. That's like 700, 750 bucks. Um, and, and so we're just, we're just going to hand you the money. And we're not going to tell you what to do with it. You can spend it on booze. You can spend it on dope. You can spend it on cable TV. You can spend it on housing. Here, it's just we're giving you this basic income. We don't expect you to do anything for it. Just here, take it. it it's yours. And so they tried that as an experiment. It lasted a few months after the Finnish government decided um, we're, we're not going to spend tax dollars on this. Um, so they just they killed the program. Well, there are communities in this country that are looking at doing the same thing, right? Stockton, California, is set to become the first city in the nation to embark on an experiment of universal basic income. And just like they did in Finland, what they're going to do is they're going to start off by identifying a 100 residents who are working age but aren't otherwise working, and they're going to give them $500 a month without any conditions. Here, here's $500. And the idea being, well, we don't want anyone to have to live below the poverty line. We, you know, we, we want to just give you this money to do with it what you want. And if the program exe- succeeds, then the idea is we're going to expand this. And it won't just be 100, but then we'll have 500, we'll have 1,000, and pretty soon... You know, anybody who wants, regardless of whether they're able to work, and again, this doesn't deal with people with disabilities or stuff like that. This is just, you're you're not, in this case, it's unemployed, you're not working, we're going to give you 500 bucks. Here, here, here it is. Now, in the case of Stockton, it's not tax dollars. They've apparently found um, a couple rich Silicon Valley people who are going to underwrite this, this experiment. Um, one of the guys is a co-founder of Facebook, Chris Hughes. Um, so he's already donated a million dollars to it. So they're going to say, hey, this is going to be an experiment. It's not going to cost the taxpayers dollars. But the idea is this would be the utopia. If we just had the government give people money, regardless of what they're doing, where you're, you're just guaranteed. Come live in our community and, you know, you'll get 500 bucks or you'll get a thousand bucks or you'll get whatever. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't want to live in a community like that. I, I for a variety of reasons. Would would this would it be attractive to you to live in a community where now I guess in the case of Stockton, this is an experiment, so it's private money, but ultimately it would be public money like it was in Finland. I mean, would you want to live in a community where every one of the residents was guaranteed that they would be getting a certain amount of money just given to them for whatever they wanted to do with it every month. 414-799-1620. That's not the place for me. We discuss next. How about you? It's 244 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
246. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Logan in Milwaukee. Hi, Logan. Hello. Okay, what do you think? Universal guaranteed income. Do you want to live in a community where essentially the, the government is going to be giving everybody $500, $1,000, whatever, to do whatever they want with? Uh, no, sir. I would not like to live in that community. Tell me why. Well, the way I remember reading that study a couple months ago as well, and I remember that it didn't really work out, and people were quite upset about the whole thing, especially because they had to give their own tax dollars, and there's just no incentive to work mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's why socialism in its purest forms has failed everywhere it's it's been tried, because you you, you give you provide an incentive for people to not contribute to, to society. And I mean, and, and I get it. I mean, I, I understand if the choice is, gee, I can make the same amount of money sitting on a couch and watching TV as opposed to, you know, working at, at some job where I'm gone 40 hours a week and I'm sweating and I'm working hard. I, I understand. I'd rather sit on the couch too. I get it. And, and that's the basic flaw of socialism. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, I'm a fan of democratic socialism. I, I like some of the policies you know, limiting uh, or making more regulations on corporations and such. But I don't think that these sort of blanket policies, especially like raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour, are really going to help anything. Yeah. No, thanks for calling. And and it it ends up discouraging stuff. Here's an interesting text. Um, Supposedly, a teacher applied socialist ideals to his grading system to prove a point to his class about the realities of socialism. Everyone got the same grade which was averaged from the whole class test scores. As a result, grades steadily declined, and the whole class ended up failing. So in other words, the way this experiment works is, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Um, there's 20 of you in the class. I'm going to average all the grades, and then everybody is going to get that average grade. Everybody's going to be treated the same way. So some kids might have done A work. They're going to get a C plus. Some kids might have done D work. They're going to get a C plus. So what happens at the end? Well, the kids who are busting their tails to get A's pretty much sooner or later say, well, why am I busting my tail to get an A? Why am I doing the homework? And so <laughs> they stop working hard. And what happens is the grades of everybody go down. That is just the reality of of what you have happening. Um, Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Good. What do you think? First of all, yeah, it's well, stupid. <laughs> number one, number and number two. We already have it. We have welfare. We have food stamps. There's so many assistance programs that are out there, and you know, you have what two thirds or three quarters of the population doesn't even pay any taxes. Right. So, I mean, what, I mean. I don't understand the the rationale behind it because, I mean, don't we already have a a, a safety net already installed? Well, see, but this isn't a safe. Well, I mean, I guess I'm not sure it's necessarily even a safety net. This is just we we need to treat right, right, because you know. when we do right now, you're right. We have the safety net, so it, it's the food stamps or it's the housing assistance. But we should just give people, don't you see, Dave? Money. We're just going to give them money, um, so that they're going to be above the poverty line. Because you know nobody should be dependent on food stamps and these types of things. We're going to give you money on top of that. I mean, talk to somebody that, uh, like my brother-in-law, is a firefighter, for instance, and he said it's a joke. You know, with the with the, during the winter, they go into these apartments and things like that. The windows are wide open because they don't have to pay for heating. It's just kind of like it's just totally abused. I don't understand the 
Well, what's it supposed to accomplish? I guess. I guess. What's the, well, it raises it raises everybody out of poverty. It, it guarantees certain standards of living for people. That would be the idea. So you know, don't worry. You, you don't have to work very hard. You don't have to work at all. We're going to guarantee a certain standard of living because but they have ev- that now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's that's my point. Is they have that now? They can, you know, they get rent subsidies. They get you know food stamps. They get heck, heaven knows, you know. The kids going to school, they get all fed three, you know, three hot, you know, I mean, they get three meals. Right. No, well, and thank, no I mean, you're, you're right. We, we have safety nets, but this takes it a step beyond that. And, and the idea, I mean, let's make, make no mistake about it, that this is where the Bernie Sanders of the world leads to. It is that everybody is equal. Um, everybody is equal. Everybody is treated the same. The fact that you are a human being means that you are entitled to you're, you're not worth more or less than, you know, somebody else. And the fact that this person has, I don't know, three million dollars in the bank. Well, OK, that, you know, what we should do is we should figure out a way to even this all out. That person doesn't need that three million dollars. And so what we need to do is take it from them and distribute it to other people. That's the idea that everybody is equal. Well, again, what, what do you find when you take out the incentive? I mean, I, I think that's the, the wonderful thing about capitalism is it inspires everybody to want to be the, the best. It says that, you know, if you work hard and, you know, you make your own breaks, that, that you can succeed. Now, not everybody's going to be Bill Gates and walk away with, you know, billions of dollars or things like that, but that you can better yourself. But you have to work. You have to have this ethic. And if you just simply give stuff to people, well, it's not going to work that way. Now, I mean, I, going back to how we started this, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in that community where you have the basic entitlements because what it's going to do is it's going to attract to that community, the people that don't want to work. It's going to attract to that community the people who say, hey, this is great. They're giving away free money. Well, first of all, nothing's free. It, it's sooner or later, it's going to be coming from the government, which it's going to means it's going to be coming from the people who are actually working. But I don't want to work in a community where that's it. Their big claim to fame is, here, we're going to be the socialist magnet. Come here, and we'll give you money. Well, can you imagine that the people that that's going to be attracting no, thank you. I, I mean, no, thank you. And it, it is kind of frustrating to me that you have, I mean, the, the Bernie Sanders wing of the Democratic Party. And like I said, he's not even a Democrat. He's a socialist. Um, but this is the direction that, that some people are going thinking, oh, this would be, this would be great. I mean, everybody should have, everybody should have the same health care and you shouldn't have any sort of differences and everybody should be treated the same and we should be paying everybody at least $15 an hour even though the work they're doing is only worth $10 an hour doesn't matter we should give them $15 an hour because if we don't you know we're cruel and heartless no that that, that you pay people what they are worth and if the job's worth 10 bucks an hour you pay them 10 bucks sorry i'm on my high horse it's 254 When we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa and Greg have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. And again, six minutes, six minutes left to vote for Jesus Aguiar for um, the uh, National League All-Star team. Voting closes at 3 o'clock today.